Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO and managing partner of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor. I'm a coach, a husband, recently a grandfather. Now, along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've achieved by continuing to elevate in living a fulfilled life by making a positive difference in my world. I'm going to invite you to join me as I delve into the details of the many wins of my guests in achieving their goals, along with, shall we say, the frustrations of the occasional deal gone wrong, because my guests are here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them in business and investing in real estate, from the life they're now able to live to the person they become along the way as they pursued their dreams in having the freedom they've gained by building a sustainable financial future for them and their family. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Before I introduce my guest, I'd like to start by first thanking you for listening in and for your support and the feedback you provide us on the show, as well as to remind and encourage you to send your comments, your suggestions, or your questions directly to me at CEO at RainCanada.com. That is CEO at R-E-I-N-Canada.com. And if you're inclined, I'd really appreciate it if you were to share the show with your friends, your family, other people you know, even people you don't know. Rate the show and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you happen to use to listen in. And while you're at it, please follow us on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page. So thank you again for the feedback you provide the team and I. It is definitely appreciated. Okay, on with the show. My guest today is J.G. Francoeur, who is our latest addition to the executive leadership team with Rain and Legacy where he steps in as CGO or Chief Growth Officer. Now, a little bit about JG. First, let's answer the question, what the heck does JG stand for? Well, in short, it stands for Zhongyi. And, or as we like to say internally, it stands for just great. He is the author of international best-selling book, Messy Manager, 11 and three quarter principles to double your sales and triple your profits. He's been featured on TV shows such as Success Today, The Today Show, ABC News, Sky News Australia, and he's also been featured in several magazines, radio shows, and podcasts, just like this one. And he's also written hundreds of articles for international best-selling business publications. And aside from being a veteran RAIN member and real estate investor, JG is a serial entrepreneur, no doubt about that, and he has over the last... 15 years built several companies from startup as in zero revenue to seven and eight figures that operated in 14 countries and he's had over 200 employees in those 14 countries we're going to dig into that a little bit and jg and his companies have toured the globe many times over speaking to well over 25,000 entrepreneurs showing them how to double their sales and triple their profits his personal mission in life is to shape future generations through entrepreneurship He's done that in the past by helping business owners and entrepreneurs grow their business and find business freedom. Today, he does that through Rain Canada, Legacy and Visitor Property Groups. We're excited to have him on the team. The Rain community is going to be blown away by what he offers them in supporting them in their financial freedom by design, their success in their businesses, their careers, and their real estate investing. 
my guest, Jean-Guy Francoeur. Jean-Guy Francoeur, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Looking forward to uh, an in-studio podcast, Poolside Studio. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're here. This is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Live in person. Live in person. Now, Jean-Guy, in the podcast protocol that I have, I think it's always important for the listeners to understand where you're at. So in a 30, 60 second kind of way, who is Jean-Guy Francoeur? What do you do? What's your What's your elevator pitch? Oh boy, loaded question, my man, loaded question. So I'm a real estate investment entrepreneur and uh, that's one of the things I do, but I'm also the CEO uh, of a uh, investment company that's involved in investing in multiple businesses, multiple real estate um, all over Canada. So that's the elevator pitch of what I do. And uh, But frankly, what I love to do is have fun and love life every day. Now, you live a pretty big business life. You do a lot of things. And you didn't mention that you're CGO for the Real Estate Investment Network. Thanks, pal. Well, we're going we're gonna to get there. We're going to get there, Patrick. I mean, there's a lot to cover here. Well, I know, but I think that in your 30-second elevator pitch, you should have included that. 100%. 100%. So I'm a lot of things. I'm sure we're going to talk in, talk about that today. We're going to get into that. I'm also an author. I wrote a book called Messy Manager. And right now, uh, as Chief Growth Officer of, which is what CGO stands for, uh, Chief Growth Officer of, of Rain Canada, Chief Growth Officer of Legacy Council of Canada as well. Uh, and that's a big part of uh, what I do right now. So let's go back a little bit. So if we, if we, if we, you know, for listeners, if we're a little bit punchy, we've just had a week of executive leadership teams right out at, at my uh, my uh, home and uh, in the studio and by the poolside and all the things that we did. It's been a great week. We've done a lot of really cool stuff, but it's been a long week, and we've been hanging out a lot and eating too much and mm. perhaps drinking too much occasionally. <laughs> but we were very productive. So. Uh, what's cool about Jean Guy is uh, he's very young man that mid thirties that has really hit it out of the park in a lot of ways. But I want to go back and and let's, tell me a little bit about your story. We're going to talk a lot about what we're doing within Rain and within Legacy. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast, and we got some really exciting stuff that we're doing. But I want to know, and I want listeners to know uh, about Jean Guy. That was really about this. You're you're hanging out. You know, if you're a Rain member listening to this, you've probably you may have even heard you speak because you've done some some stuff around social media and marketing, yep. and that's really cool. But I think you've got a really fascinating story, and and so let's talk a little bit about your background. So I was born and raised in Timmins, Ontario. So I'm not sure if uh, listeners know where that is, but it's uh, northern Ontario. So if you sort of go to Toronto and go 700 kilometers straight north, uh, you'll hit Timmins. Mining town, very traditional blue-collar town, and uh, grew up playing hockey, just the normal sort of Canadian life, grew up playing hockey, and uh, went to went to school for entrepreneurship, uh, and and really found my my stride, if you will, or, or my, definitely found what I was in love with when I got to college. Um, up, up before that, I guess now that I reflect, this is interesting, we've never talked about this, Patrick, but now that I reflect on it, you know, I had a lot of entrepreneurial tendencies. I used to fix bikes and charge people for it. I wouldn't do it for free. I'd charge them for it, as you can appreciate, Patrick. Uh, I'd fix people's bikes. I would sell lemonade. I would do these little entrepreneurial ventures when I was really, really young. And I love to organize people, mobilize teams always. I didn't recognize that until later. But when I got to uh, business school, I just fell in love with business. So I just fell in love with the game of business, the sport of business, if you will. 
and uh, really became passionate about it. So I did my studies in, in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario in college uh, for entrepreneurship. Then I moved to Ottawa. I went, uh, I thought my traditional, I was sort of still operating, uh, my operating system at the time was still very much traditional, go to school, do that thing. So I was, um, I was on the path for uh, university. I went to university. Um, I, I considered going to big universities in the U.S., like Harvard and, and those kinds of things. I decided against that. I wanted to stay in Canada, and I went to Ottawa and uh, and uh, went and took my took my Bachelor of Commerce and left in my last year. I was six months away from sort of graduating, getting that piece of paper on the wall, and I became very sort of disenfranchised with the system, if you will. Started my first company and then left school. So never graduated university, never got my BCom. Uh, left university and then started my first company. And, um, you know, from there, my, my dad got very sick uh, in 2004. And that was really a turning point for me. I had to, I had to figure out, uh, you know, I had to make some very tough decisions in a very uh, short period of time in terms of the kind of person I wanted to be when I grew up. I didn't know uh, at the time if my, if my father was going to make it. I didn't know if he was going to pass away. I didn't know what was going to happen because he got very, very sick very, very quickly. And it kind of all snuck up on us. So, I would have been 20, I guess, at the time, and um, just didn't know if if I would have to figure things out on my own. So I had to make some decisions on how I wanted to be for the rest of my life, and I sort of made some really, really great choices in terms of business, how I wanted to show up, what I wanted to do, uh, and also, uh, more importantly, I, I, it forced me to let go of some of my old paradigms. It forced me to let go of some of my old stuff, and I went on a self-discovery journey. And by the way, my my father did make it, and we're the the best of friends today. And we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll touch on my dad because he's the coolest. Um, so we're the best of friends. We we do business, we travel the world, we have so much fun. It's that's awesome. Uh, but in that moment, I didn't know. So I went on this self discovery journey. I went on this business journey, and then I uh, from uh, 2004, yeah, 2004 to today. I essentially built and sold several different companies, which we can touch on if you'd like, different kinds, and uh, just really continued my love for the sport of business. And really my, and I found that my, and I discovered, I guess if you will, over time that my 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 passion or my my uh, purpose, which I'm still working on with Alan Kahn, epic gentleman, epic gentleman. Actually, if the listeners of this have not listened to the Alan Kahn episode, two of them. Two of them, It was yeah. so big, yeah. two of them. Definitely listen to that, um, but uh, still working on that purpose. But you know, I really feel like I can impact. I, what I try to do every day is I try to impact generations, future generations through entrepreneurship. And I've been on that journey since I realized I was on that journey. I think forever, and uh, that's really what I try to do. And now, being involved with Rain, being involved with Legacy, being involved with a movement of real estate investment advisors across the country and frankly around the world very soon. Um, I get to live that every single day, and that's super exciting. So I know that's sort of not a cohesive story, Patrick, but uh, but that's that's kind of a highlight. Well, that's great because I mean you've covered a lot of stuff. It gives me some places to dig into that are of interest. I think you know when we talk about TEDM and and achieving that everyday millionaire status, if you want, and I'm not even sure that I like the word status. I think it's it's something that you it's a box you step into. It's a place that you live. And, and I, and I don't like the word status because there's maybe ego attached to that or something. And having and achieving the results of a, a millionaire status is, is just a, it's kind of a benchmark or a, a scorecard. And so you've done that. You did that at an early age. Uh, you've created some really great wealth, some 
epic, epic business opportunities that you've you know stepped into, taken to the next level, all of those things. But let's go back a little bit. Something that you said to me is that fixing other people's bikes and charging them for it. You know, <laughs> you were pretty young at that time, right? I was super young, yeah. Yeah. So nature, nurture. Where does the, your entrepreneurial spirit come from? You know, you, you and your dad are pretty tight these days, and and I think you've always been pretty tight with your dad. But what was your background? Was your dad an entrepreneur? How did you come by that thought process of being an entrepreneur, being a business guy? Well, it's funny, actually, someone asked me this question the other day, and my, my dad was and wasn't an entrepreneur. He had entrepreneurial tendencies for sure. Uh, and he he did some real estate and he did some business ventures throughout his life. So, But, that, but he's on the flip side. Uh, he was also, my dad's got what I call the Jack Welsh story. He started at a mining company as a as just a laborer and ended up running the entire company and becoming the president of that company for all of Canada. So he had an epic career in mining um, and grew himself to be an incredible leader uh, and actually co-authored my book with me, A Messy Manager. So entrepreneurial tendencies, but but not, he wasn't an entrepreneur. I don't know, I don't know how you qualify that, but he had some entrepreneurial tendencies, but he was a, he was a career guy. He worked at the same place for 34 years or 35 years. So, um, so yeah, and I don't know, I don't really know where it came, where it came from. You know, mm-hmm. I, I haven't uh, done enough work around that. Uh, you know, I think my, you know, my parents were both career driven people. I was never surrounded by a ton of entrepreneurs. Uh, I remember having very specific conversations with my dad when I was like, sort of between 14 and 16. And, uh, and you just reminded me of a story, which I'll go into in a second. But you know, between 14 and 16, my dad and I would talk about business and he'd talk about stocks and he'd talk about investing. And I wanted nothing to do with that stuff. You know, I remember specifically saying, I want nothing to do with that stuff. Um, and it, and that was kind of, that was interesting. So I guess maybe I didn't understand it enough. I'm not sure. But here's here's how I got into business. Here, I, and I, I you don't even know this story. And this is a story I rarely share. So I'm, I'm pumped to share it here. Um, the reason I went into business is in my teenage years, I used to race bikes. I used to race motocross. At least that's what I wanted to do. And in good old Zhangi fashion, I, I thought I was better than I actually was, uh, naturally. So <laughs> as I as I got into the sport, I realized, wow, this is like, these guys are amazing. They've been racing since they were, you know, little tykes. And, uh, you know, they take these jumps way faster, way bigger, and way higher than I do. And uh, they have no fear. So anyways, the point is, is, but I love the sport so much that my thought became, okay, if I can't race, let me go get an education that allows me to maybe run a race team so I could stay close to the sport. So that's why I took business. I took business because it was my fallback plan. My plan was I was going to take business, learn business, and then either run a team, buy a team, own a team. I didn't even think, I I didn't even have the awareness around owning a team. I just wanted to run a team. I just wanted to manage a team or get involved. That was my way to stay connected to the sport. Then I remember very clearly being in business school and being like, wow. And then the idea of that sport just faded for me. It just passed. And uh, then the, then business became the sport, interestingly enough. So that's that's very interesting. So I, you know, other than that, Patrick, I'm not sure where else it comes from. I, I dig into my, my, you know, my family. If you dig into my my cousins and my aunts and my uncles, everyone's very, very much sort of career driven my family if you look back it's been incredible the way that my aunts and uncles and my uh, dad and what they did is naturally like many families they all started as as very very you know they all went through a transition so they all started very uh wherever they started 
And as they went on, one generation was blue collar, and then they all sent their kids to school. And then the next generation became all white collar. And then sort of my generation, um, you know, is very entrepreneurial now, which is actually funny because me and my cousins all own businesses and, and that realm of things. So it's kind of interesting where we started where we started, and I'm not really sure where that is. But I know there's a period of, of blue collar and then sort of in my dad and, and, and passed it on to me. And, and I took the generation to entrepreneurship. And there's definitely a middle section where I have some incredible cousins, uh, which are kind of like brothers and sisters to me. Uh, and they're, they're PhDs and doctors and lawyers. And, and that was the path I, sh I should have been on. That's the path they all wanted me to go on, which is why I went to university and then left. So it just wasn't for me. So you're, you're talking about a, a bit of a journey of self-discovery when you're 20 years old. I mean, when I hear that from some of the guests that I've had on the show, at 20 years old, that seems big to have that awareness. To have the awareness of going, who am I? How do I want to be? How do I want to go? Most 20 years old, I don't want to, no, that's not fair. I wouldn't want to generalize, but in a traditional 20-year-old mentality, it's mm -hmm. about being confused about where you're going and what you're doing, <laughs> and you yeah. know, in between parties and, and being liked and you know, creating relationships that way. Mm -hmm. But in your case, it sounds like it was a little deeper than that. Was there, was there a moment? Was there something that drove that? Was there a thought? Was there a, an incident? Did you run into somebody? Was there a mentor at that point where you were actually being that self-reflective? Interesting. Interesting you mentioned that, actually. Um, you know, I've, so let, let me start a little further back, um, which is I've always, I've always had older friends, and I've always been an old soul, if you will. My friends were always four or five years older than me. Uh, even when, I, like, when you're eight and hanging out with eleven-year-olds, that's that's a big difference, you know, at that age. Yeah. When you're thirteen, hanging out with seventeen-year-olds is a big difference. So I've always been, I've always hung out, and I've always had, I've always made better friends with older people. So I've always been an old soul, and that sort of fast-tracked, I guess, some development of mine, if you will. If I dig into it, probably did. And I've always had mentors. My first mentor, his name is uh, Peter Sear. He was, I uh, used to work at Canadian Tire. We all know and love and maybe hate Canadian Tire, but I was, I was on the track to, to get a store. I was, I was 18 years old. I was managing, I was actually the, there was the general manager, which was, he was the owner who was first in charge. Then there was the general manager, that was Peter Sear. Then there was the store manager. And I was essentially fourth in charge of the entire store at 18. You can imagine how you know, that went. But uh, I was working full time in high school to be able to support myself and to be able to support my sports like racing motocross, which isn't cheap. And so I had a mentor, Peter was my first mentor, incredible mentor taught me so much. I always remember the day he taught me that you got to inspect what you expect. Uh, and that always stuck with me. Uh, when you delegate something, you have to inspect what you expect. So that's cool. Um, but, uh, you know, that so I've always had mentors. So I've always so he passed a lot on to me. So it, so he passed on books that I didn't necessarily read, but it opened the, now that I reflected, I'm just making this discovery right here with you right now. But he, I don't think I read any of his books and his quotes and his, and his, his analogies and, but, but it opened that door. It opened that door in my mind. And, um, and it, so then the door became open. And as, as you know, with the door, you know, you open it a little and you take a step in, you take a step in. Next thing you know, you're all the way in. So that was interesting. Um, but, so really, be, for you, it opened up the door and, and a way of thinking. Totally, yes. Well, he was he was young. He was uh, man. He was he was he owned his own store at thirty, if I remember. So so I was eighteen. He was he was thirty, and we had conversations about me becoming his general manager. And he, as he bought a store, because he was moving up and he was building his team, and Canadian Tire is quite the incredible 
organization in terms of when you get to a certain level in it, it's it's awesome. And and I ended up moving away from that just and simply because I wanted to go to school. I just thought I was still on that path of I got to go to school because that's what my mom and my dad and that's what all my family had done. So so I, I didn't follow that path with him, but he was my first mentor. He was my first mentor that opened my mind to those things. But I always knew, I, I remember when I went to my first seminar, and, I, and this might give you some insight. I went to my first seminar and I thought to myself, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. See, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew when I found it. And it was this, this concept of self-reflection, this concept of self-awareness, this, the, these mindset technologies, if you will, these mind tricks, the, the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, all of this knowledge sort of boils it down to it, or what I perceived as it back then. And that just happened. I got super lucky that that happened to me at 20. I mean, that was, whether I got lucky or whether I made it happen, you know, we can just debate and discuss that. But uh, the fact that that I got into that at such a young age, I'm I'm super blessed. Uh, and then, uh, so that's that's how it got started. So let's dig into that a little bit, because I think this is as being CEO of the Real Estate Investment Network and, and a, a lifetime really of coaching people and having, you know, pretty reflective and deep conversations. And you've been very successful in multiple businesses. You've been uh, really blessed to have some great success in your real estate investing. Now, here's a conversation that I have with, I guess it's a mindset of different people, but if I'm talking to an engineer, he only wants to know, just tell me how, tell me the how to's. And now this isn't, I often refer to engineers and and I have no opinion of engineers. I know how they, I I just say, I don't, I have a view of how they think and how they, they work and they're very successful and they often, they are very successful. They do some really cool things. They're very pragmatic, but they're very, you know, black and white. And, and so when we're having conversations in terms of education or coaching with an engineer, as an example, could be of an accountant of that mind frame, that frame Mm -hmm. of mind, the way they think, uh, it's a how-to. Just tell me how, mm-hmm. and I'll get it done. Yep. That's that's it. Now, you've been very... You don't have the brain of an engineer. You're a really smart dude, and you, but you don't think like an engineer. And then you're talking about when you're young about developing mindset. I want you to give your view in terms of people that have success in business, in real estate. How much of it... How important is the development of mindset? Can, because we often get pushback and this isn't a complaint. It's just that my observation of people is don't talk to me about mindset, that fluffy mm. esoteric <laughs> crap. Just fucking tell me how to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, but what's your view of the world? Because, uh, you know, you, you've been really, really successful at a, at a young age. And, um, I, you know, the old soul comment that you make in having gotten to know you as well as I have over the months, uh, you are definitely that. So did you just call me old? Yeah, well, you're old soul. You're old soul. You're old in the inside and you know, young on the outside. How's that? So tell me a little bit about that. What's your view of that? Mm. You know what's funny? Well, and you know, whether it's funny or what it is, but I gotta tell you, I think I think it's everything. I think the how is, and I was, and this is sort of my I, and I refer to it as training, but you know, you know, we got operating systems, we got paradigms, and they are the way they are when you're, you know, you're born stuff is put into there. Your subconscious mind is wide open between zero and four. People put stuff in there. They love you. They care for you. They think they're doing the best thing for you. They're trying to protect you. Uh, and they're operating with their own paradigms and their own software. Sure. Uh, and then they go drop all that into you. And and then you're just, just you. Then, then you, you kind of layer on top of that. 
years and years and years of experience, and then you want to invest in real estate. But but I found in my work, in my own work with myself, that it's really, it's not so much about the how. It actually has nothing to do with the how. The how is the easy part. It's the, the subconscious. It's the mindset work that really creates the how. Doing the how is just a question of resources. It's just a question of strategy. It's just a question of tactic. It's actually super easy. Getting to the root of it all and and really discussing and getting down to money and getting down to mindset and getting down to your financial blueprint and getting down to those things makes all of the difference. And if you don't do that work, you're going to have to do that work, whether you like it or not, that work has to get done if you want to continue to grow and be the best version of yourself that you can be. Now, that's that's not everyone's objective. It's my objective. It's probably your objective, but it's not everyone's objective. They come into it with a different objective, which is, I just want to become an everyday millionaire, or I want to just make some money, or I want to say, you know, um, I want to uh, prepare for my financial legacy, or whatever the story is, whatever they're doing it for. To be the best version of yourself is really, you got to start with the mindset. And one of the things that I'm super excited about, and it's interesting, and I hope that this kind of resonates with people, because I think that actually that is how I knew, this is interesting, another story that I don't think you and I have talked about, but this is how I knew that Rain was the right company for me as a client. Because as you know, I've been a client for a number of years. I built my real estate portfolio with Rain Strategies. And how I knew it was uh, the right company for me is when at Acre or in the books or in the strat- in the manuals, in everything we do, you always start with the beliefs. And that's, that's, that's what Rain's been doing for 26 years. And when I saw that, read that, experienced that, because I came into Rain after, you know, 10, 12 years, more than, yeah, 10, 12 years of, of doing work with myself, I noticed that right away I knew if they're thinking about the Belize, they understand vision, they understand mindset, they understand all that stuff. So I knew that there was a level of understanding there. And and I, I would challenge the, either whether they're, people are listening or, or if you want to build a real estate portfolio, it really does start with the Belize. It starts with the mindset. But then you have to go several layers deeper and ask, why do you want that Belize? And where does that, is that your Belize or is that your parents' Belize? Where does that Belize come from, right? <laughs> right. Totally. So I and I think so. The to answer the question, I think it's imperative. I think it is. It is the work. The how is the how is super easy, mm-hmm. and uh, and I know that some people they're thinking that's crazy because <laughs> it's not easy. But it that the how is easy. Figuring yourself out is way more difficult than how to invest in real estate. Way more. And and for those listeners that are not part of Rain, Belize is really your why. You know, what is your vision for your life? What is your why and what is driving you to run your business, operate your business, grow your real estate portfolio, you work hard at your career? You know, the Belize was a, a metaphor for a why, you know, what really drove you. Now, the context always of TEDM or the, the Everyday Millionaire podcast is really about seemingly ordinary people achieving extraordinary results. And you've achieved some really extraordinary results. You built businesses and sold businesses. I mean, you built businesses that generated millions of dollars and been profitable. You actually built the first virtual company. Let's talk a little bit about that. And it's interesting because you, you've had that own, your own realization around that in, in what you built and, and it was it was only in reflection that you went, mm-hmm. holy crap, I've done that. That's really cool. Yeah, totally. Right. But humility and being humble about it. 
you, you, you have an interesting balance of humility and ego, which is fun. And I tease you about all the time, but that's all good. So tell us a little bit about, um, you're, you're the humility on the ego. Is that what you mean? <laughs> that's right. I'd be the anchor tied to your asshole. Hold on here, buddy. Get back here. Um, so tell us a little bit about that virtual business and how it came to be and how you used it actually to leverage and, and build real estate as well. Well, it was, um, it's interesting. And, and you're, I'm really glad you said that because it really wasn't self-reflection. You know, when you're in the middle of it, you often don't realize what's happening because you're in the middle of it. And it's not until I was able to step back a little bit and understand what we had done. But in 2009, we founded and, and started a um, business partner and I, uh, a marketing company from a basement. That's where all businesses start is either a basement or a garage. So uh, mine started in a basement. And uh, yeah, we, we ended up building a company that operated in 14 countries, uh, did uh, thousands and thousands of events. We educated thousands and thousands of, of clients and helped thousands of clients with their marketing, small business owners specifically on how to grow their business uh, using specific tools. And, uh, and we did it all virtually. We had no office. And we had uh, 160 employees spread across 14 different countries. And we're all connected through technology. And uh, we had no physical footprint at all, no office. Everybody worked from home. Everybody worked uh, from their own home. Everybody used their own tools. And we were just connected. And that's why I call it a cloud-based. You, you, the word you used was virtual. And that's the f- word I started using at the beginning. Now I call it a cloud-based business because everything's in the cloud. And this is before the days like Dropbox didn't exist back then. Right. Um, so, but, but technology was moving at such a rate. And again, I, you know, um, what do they say? Um, you know, I did, there's a lot that I didn't know. And that sometimes not knowing stuff is very hand, it's actually super helpful in business that the, the art of not knowing is very important in business when you're starting up. If you know it, if you know too much, it'll handicap you in many ways. So I just didn't know, you know, I just knew that we were growing at such a speed that, we needed to use and leverage technology. So we created these these systems and we used apps and we used things like uh, the cloud. Before the cloud was the cloud, you know, we had uh, places to drop our files and share our files and all these various systems like box.net, which is now box.com. Um, you know, we, we ended up, you know, having terabytes of files online that were shared across different... We had a system that uh, uh, we used a system called Podio, as, as you know as well now, Patrick. Uh, we put that in a place, I think, in 2012. It was this little company from the Nordics. I think they were from, is it Norway? I think it's Norway. They are from Norway, and it was just a tiny company. It was a tiny startup. Nobody knew about them. Now they've been bought out by Citrix, and a lot more people know about Podio and stuff. But when I started first using Podio, nobody knew about it. We were one of the first clients on Podio. They were actually reaching out to us. Actually, I think we knew Podio better than Podio knew Podio. Right, you really leverage the how how you use it. So describe Podio just for listeners to have it. It's just really it's a platform that is uh, allows a, a virtual, well, a cloud based team to be able to communicate. It's in real time. It is one hundred percent transparent. It you're you're not emailing stuff back and forth. You're having a a, a, a team or a business communication. It's it's a virtual office building. Yep, with offices in it. Very cool. Separate desks in it. Look at you. And separate files that are sitting on the desks <laughs> and that you can communicate with everybody around those. And you can go to somebody else's office if they let you in. 
you may have to knock on the door. <laughs> I love it. And you walk in. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you right now. <laughs> and you look on that desk and you go, "What's that file on your desk? Can we talk about that file? They, I really need a little bit of information about that." And the best part is everybody can see that file. Yeah. The people that are invited in that office, right? right? And and just so people know that are listening here, we have no we got nothing in Podio other than we use it and <laughs> and we're doing some really cool stuff with yeah. with that tool. It's uh it's it's epic and 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 if you run businesses and especially if you're trying to scale a business and grow a business or or modernize a business, you know a lot of people as as you can appreciate Patrick have been in business for a long time and they're still doing business the way business was done 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. With files on servers and server and computers in offices and yeah. and having to go into a physical footprint and it's just different now. Um, and Podio can help you get there, and you've described it very very well. So great job. Um, but we we used it and leveraged it so that we can really uh, harness the power of of a global community. That's really what it is. At one point with the company, we had two thousand five hundred and fifty two people using Podio every single day. Which, as you can imagine, is epic. Without that, I mean, what would you do, right? Okay, so let's. But before we step over, because we haven't addressed it, what was the business? Mm, so it was a marketing company. Yes, yes, I got so, that. Yeah, so it was a marketing company. What we did is we showed people how to use books as marketing tools. So we educated people on how to use books as marketing tools, and we also did book publishing. So we published thousands of people over the course from 2009 to 2018. The company is still operating. I'm no longer involved, but the company is still operating. It's called Black Card Books. Um, so yeah, that's what we did. And it was the first ever cloud-based, uh, book publishing company that was built and we operated in 14 countries. Uh, we had 160 employees, might be more now and, uh, absolutely epic what was able to be achieved and, and our goal, and I'll tell you what drove the goal and you'll appreciate this and, and many people will. My chief operations officer, one of our business partners, Deborah Turton, incredible, incredible woman, her goal was always to get down to zero emails. We want to get rid of email. Mm-hmm. That's how this all started. Yeah. Just no more email. Because, you know, at the beginning, we were we were literally emailing files back and forth. It became very confusing. It was very difficult. Yeah. And uh, so we wanted to eradicate email. Now, I, I'm happy to report that that we brought it way down, but we were never able to eradicate email. Internally, we could, but not externally. Mm-hmm. So, so and, and add to that, uh, on top of, 160 employees in that many countries. You've traveled the world. How many events a year did you do? So we did uh, 223 events a year. Um, 223 events a year. So, you know, rough math on that is 20 events a month. Yep. Right? Yep. Uh, Somewhere close to that. And they were events where you would have anywhere from 50 to 500 to 5,000, I think. Yes. Some events that we were a part of, they weren't necessarily our events, but some of them that we were a part of, they, they were as much as 10, 15,000 people. Uh, now, our events that we hosted and we were the the owners and host of those events, those were 50 to 500 people. Now, I want to go uh, just to just pause a little bit, slow down <laughs> a little bit. Um, Carrie, your wife. Yes. Ooh. She was part of that. Where where did Carrie start to fit in the picture? Because on on top of all this, you've you've got other businesses right now in mm-hmm. Peterborough with Carrie, and and you're doing the stuff that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Carrie and how important it was for her to be part of all this, and and what what role did she play in it as your as your wife partner? Well, so so she was there when we founded the company, mm-hmm. and at the beginning, just like every startup, you're. You know, you're you're clawing and scratching and doing what you got to do to do what you got to do. So she was there. She helped run many events at the beginning. Uh, she ended up um, 
so she was doing a lot of event management at the beginning for us because we were doing lots of events. And at the beginning, it was like one event a month, and then it was two, and then it was, and so on and so forth. She helped us with event management for the first, oh, first two years, maybe? Year, two years? At least two years, I would say. And uh, now, as you know, Patrick, I also, my wife and I own a travel agency as well. So we ended up sort of uh, the travel agency that we own became the the travel supplier and running 20 events in 14 countries is a lot of travel. So our travel agency ended up running all of the travel for the business. Um, so that ended up becoming her role and that's where she settled and she ended up sort of settling in there. But at the beginning, she used to help me do everything. And while we had that, she we owned a spa together and we owned other businesses together. So she was there. I mean, my wife and I are the best of friends and um, we tackle everything together. So so she's, you know, she's in, intimately involved in all of my businesses most of the time because we're uh, we're business partners. We're best friends. We're husband. We're wife. Um, well, I'm husband. She's wife. You get it. Um, I, thought, I just want to be clear on that. I thought that was funny, but I guess not. Um so yeah, so so she was she was intimately involved. And then as like I said, as we continued to grow and scale and as we got very big, she then just handled travel. So she was head of travel, if you will. All that was done via her travel company. Uh, but she built some very epic uh, systems and processes to manage travel for I mean, we had at any one time, we had about 30 people on the road at any one time in the world all the time. 300 and 300 and we shut down for two weeks at Christmas. So 350 days a year, there was that many people on the road and she handled it all. And it's not just like, again, using Podio and using those kinds of systems. She built some incredible systems to organize all of these people so that we knew where we were going. And it was also a, uh, and also to manage the cost of that, right. was very, uh, you know, was a big deal. So you know, she did a, she did an incredible job organizing that. So, I mean, that was happening for you when you were really young. Well, you're still really, really young and, uh, just saying, <laughs> and, uh, so the question I guess I have around all of that is what is your thinking? What is your thought process? You have an interesting view of a couple of things and you've said this, uh, as I've gotten to know you over the months and, and hours that we, many hours that we've worked together and talked, hung out you are always looking to replace yourself. Mm. When you take something on, you're mm-hmm. always going, how do I replace myself? That's that's cool. I'm glad you said that because we've never actually talked about that, but you've obviously picked up on it. So you th- you're always thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that about you. And the reason I want to bring that to listeners' attention is in the world of real estate, you know, and, and the, in the evolution, the development of entrepreneurs, real estate entrepreneurs, we're often having the conversation. What are you spending your time doing? Is it the best mm-hmm. use of your time? I use it all the time, and it's probably tiresome for people who have listened to me too often. Is I use bookkeeping as the example, and and why are you doing your own bookkeeping when mm-hmm. the hours that you spend bookkeeping, you're actually can pay somebody twenty five to forty bucks an hour to do that. So if you're doing that job, you're paying yourself forty dollars an hour, and are you hiding behind that rather than getting out and looking for deals where you can make tens and hundreds of thousands and perhaps millions of dollars? in the world of investing in real estate or or being in business. So where do we get stuck? So that's an interesting like thought process that you have. Mm-hmm. Was that an evolution? Was that something that, you know, what was, was there a moment in time when you went, bing, I, I can't keep doing this because if I'm going to scale, if I'm going to grow, I've got to get somebody else doing what I'm doing. So the short answer, 
uh, is it was trained into me by mentors. Mm. What you just said was what mentors used to tell me, which is if you're doing a job that you can pay someone 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, it doesn't matter what the number is. If you're doing that job, then that's the pay you're going to get. That's the pay. That's what you're worth. That's your that's your worth right now. If you're doing that job and you can pay someone 20 bucks an hour, you're worth 20 bucks an hour. That's it. So it was trained into me as a short answer. And then it evolved into, shoot, if I want to keep growing and if I want to keep having an impact, I got to do something more and I have to keep scaling. So scaling is a word that I use all the time because just how I'm kind of wired is to take something and grow it. One of the, uh, we've had conversations about this and, and my real estate portfolio is what it is, but it's one of the challenges I'm having, internal struggles I'm having with myself is, is it's great but I'm just wired to keep scaling and keep growing. And, and do I actually want to do that back to the self-awareness and back to the self-reflection? And you and I have had these conversations like, how much is enough? Do you need to keep going? Should you keep going? But I'm just in business, I'm wired to keep scaling. I'm wired to keep growing. Um, and I've just wired myself that way. And I can't do that unless I'm constantly replacing myself. So it started by being trained into me and understanding the worth of what you're doing. But it's evolved now to I can only increase my contribution and my and my value to the world if I replace myself and move up. You have the belief that, you know, because you're skilled, you've got lots of education, you're well read, you do what you do. Are you of the mindset that you're actually replacing yourself with somebody that's smarter than you in that particular like do you do you find yourself going, this person is more qualified to do this job than I am? Oh, 100%. And so that depends on, my mind went to marketing and so that's interesting. But 100%, like a good example, I'll give you a perfect example is I used to be, I used to be a finance major. I love the money. I love finance. I love digging into the strategy. I love all that stuff, but I don't do any bookkeeping or financial stuff anymore. I got a CFO for that and they take care of all that. And my wife's very involved and she, Carrie, does an amazing job at managing all that. But I don't get it anymore. Like, you know, like I don't get the details of, of, of journals and, 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 and journal entries and all that stuff anymore. I used to, but I don't get it anymore. I just moved myself out of that, out of that phase. But a hundred percent that you need to, you need to have great people. And the, the companies that I've built, they were all on the, I mean, it had very little to do with me. It had everything to do with the team and, and the fact that we we're able to gel and align and, and really uh, build something magical. Let me bounce this off you because we, go through this process in business of, should we hire somebody to do that? You know, mm. I, I'm often having conversations with people around, I don't know if I have business that, what if it happens if I, you know, I need to hire somebody, but what if it doesn't work out? What if I, you know, will I go broke because now I've got this expanse and how do I make money on this expanse? And so those are, are pretty frequent questions that yep. I get. I'm sure you're, you get them as well. How did you get past that? Because what, what shows up for me in this conversation is I look at, key member of my staff and I go, this is an investment in HR, in human resources. It's mm -hmm. a, an investment in brain power. It's an investment in growing my business. And it's also, for me, it's an investment, how I view it in behind the scenes is it's a bit of an investment in myself mm -hmm. because by hiring that person that's smarter, better than me, I'm actually investing in myself to free up my time to go to where I'm good at doing something or that I have a, an interest. They ever considered that thought process? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it comes to, so it depends on the role, right? There's there's parts of the role and the lower the level of the role, you just don't want to be there. And it comes down to a worth and it comes down to a, I shouldn't be doing that because I could be doing so much other things and I got to keep growing. 
Then the other, then as you grow into uh, more technical skills, definitely you need people to do those great jobs. And and you're not that you're not skilled at that. I, I'm not that skilled at certain things like maybe sales or maybe marketing, where you know you're not very good at it. So you gotta you gotta hire it out. You gotta bring someone in who can help take your business to the next level. And and one of the realizations is that you can one person can make all the difference in your business all the difference that one person that one good assistant which is by the way funny enough the most difficult job for people to hire is a personal assistant but it's often the first one that should have been hired yes the first first one. Oh man i learned that one the hard way oh didn't didn't we all <laughs> didn't we all right um but but um you know people have a difficult time and and they're i think i think it comes down to people are afraid of making mistakes and i learned early on that we talked about this the other night that, you know what, everything matters, but none of it matters. So you're going to make lots of mistakes. You're going to hire a ton of the wrong people, and that's okay. Yep. You'll pick yourself up. You'll you'll yeah. dust yourself off. I mean... Get used to making mistakes. Fail fast, <laughs> fail forward, go. Totally. And and so so hiring people is a, is a necessary part of the process if you want to keep growing and if you want to keep having that impact. Um, and like I said, it often starts with, with positions like bookkeeping. In real estate, for example, bookkeeping, finances... Uh, renovations, you know, <laughs> property management, renovations don't, you should never find a hammer in your hand other than to pick it up and pass it to somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I only do the, the, the renovation stuff that I like to do, which is none of it. So, so I never do it mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not very good at it either. Um, but, uh, you know, if you want to have that impact and it take, it takes time, but if you're afraid to make mistakes, you're just going to be caught in limbo all the time. You're going to be afraid to, to move forward, but you're going to make plenty of mistakes. So don't let that stop you because it's going to happen. There's no doubt. You know, what I've uh, definitely learned about you is interesting that how you operate is really interesting because you make a decision and you go, I'm going to jump out of this airplane Mm. (laughs) and you go, and I look at it and go, okay, but do you not want to like, make sure you got the right parachute on and you go, no, I'll build the parachute on the way down. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting view of the world of how you create which is I'm going there. I have no idea what there is going to look like, but I'll make sure that by the time I get there, it's really clear. Yeah. And you build that way. And it's, it's an interesting model because where people get stuck, and I even know myself, it, it was a view that I got from you that I went, oh, that's an interesting way to do it. Which is then, then that way you're not stuck in the mental chatter of what do I do? How do I do it? Mm. You know, let's build this baby grand piano before I actually go to work. Let's design it perfectly and do all mm-hmm. the stuff. And then guess what? You start building it and all these things come at you differently. So you just go, I'm going to build a piano. Go. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out as we go along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Do, do, you, do you see yourself that uh, way? A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, I think it's. I think it's, uh, again, I think that's my mentors. It's been trained into me. Uh, I've done a lot of work with the likes of Tony Robbins. I've done a lot of work with, you know, just Bob Proctors and the, and the Jerry Roberts and the, and the Richard Bransons of the world. And, and, you know, I, so I'm, I'm, I've trained myself that way. Uh, what I didn't come out of the shoot that way. Let me tell you, I mean, I was just like everyone else and I had my operating system, but that's my new operating system. That's the operating system I put in there. That's my paradigms that I put in there now on purpose, by the way. And it serves me well. Uh, and I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm happy with it. That's the way I show up. Now I, I'm learning that, that not everybody thinks like that. Uh, you know, and uh, as I step out of my ecosystem, not everyone's like that. So as I do joint venture projects with 
business partners in real estate, not everyone's like that. So I'm learning things about myself that I need to explain things better. I need to, I need to uh, be a little bit more patient, for example. But if it was just up to myself, yes. On the flip side, I appreciate, uh, and I, again, I've learned this, I've, I appreciate that I got to consider some more angles sometimes. So, you know, you and I working together is a good example where you'll you'll ask some questions just to make me think about it uh, a little bit more before, we, before we're out of the shoot, which, which is great. And I appreciate that uh, from you and I appreciate that from others that make me think about it. But I definitely have wired myself to to jump out, build the air, build a parachute on the way down. And partially it's, it was out of necessity. Like, you know, as you know, you, you know, you're 20 years old, you're trying to start a business. You can't afford rent. You can't afford food. You can't, you don't have a car. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you have to move. And now we forget, we forget that all these years later. And, and, and the further down the track you get with age and also the further down the track you get with wealth and with all of those things, you you forget how much it w- it was a necessity to make stuff happen back then. Now we have the luxury of of thinking about things a little bit more, and we have the luxury of of being a little bit more patient. And but back then, I didn't have the luxury, man. I had to move, <laughs> otherwise I wasn't eating. But you're you know it's interesting that I see from people. I don't want to say people like you because there's nobody like you. But for individuals who are uber successful and have done some really cool things as you've done. You're a decision maker. Yes. And you just decide, 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 decide. <laughs> and then you, and out of that decision comes another decision. My wife, Stephanie's that way, by the way, mm. just decide. Well, what? I don't know. I don't have this information. I need more information. No, you don't decide mm-hmm. that will lead to the next decision. Yep. Don't try and figure it all out before just decide. I'm going to take this step. You know, so it's funny. It's funny. You mentioned this because people, you know, I don't have any kids but if if there was one thing I had to, if I had a child or if there's one thing I could teach them, if you boiled it all down and said, what's one skill? Because it's a skill. Decision-making is a skill. That's all it is. It's a muscle memory. It's a it's an ability. If there's one thing I can teach people, it's it would be to, to decide, to learn how to make decisions. Now, what you decide isn't even relevant, believe it or not. Deciding yes or deciding no, it doesn't even matter. But the ability to make quick decisions is critical for me. And I, that's trained in, I've trained myself that way as well. That that did not come out of the chute like that. And uh, and I'm working on my patients around people who need a little bit more information on decision-making. So That aren't uh, as decisive. Decisive, yes. Yes. Having said that, when you look at some of the, your decision-making and being decisive and <laughs> just decide, go, yep. you know, uh, how many times has that bit you in the ass? All the time. But the, you just, but you're okay with that, a hundred percent, because I don't think it would have made any difference. It wouldn't have made difference if I would have slowed it down and thought about it a little more. I would have, it just would have slowed me down. <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh at you right now. <laughs> ah, just that's the way I'm wired. So it's just, and that's, and I think, and this is this is interesting and important. Coming back to self reflection, I don't know. It keeps coming up just because you and I are both very self reflective, and I've learned so much from you on self reflection and self awareness, but. I know that about myself. So A, you know, I surround myself with people who do ask those questions and slow me down a little bit. And B, as I, I do think, you know, I, I'm working on it, so to speak, but but, I, but I'm but i also okay with the fact that, you know, not every decision is going to be okay. Like I said, I think the decisions, making the decision is more important than the actual decision. And, and I'm talking about business stuff, right? I mean, there's some things that I contemplate uh, long and hard, but yeah, so... The decisiveness and the decision process, the decision-making process, and, and then being a little bit more reflective and, 
And everybody jokes about, you know, I'm attached to this thing called slow down, which I don't know how that evolved. <laughs> how, did, how did we get there, right? <laughs> how did we get there? But it's always, you know, famous words of Patrick, slow down. <laughs> and so uh, all kidding aside, though, you know. You got to do the hands when you do it. Slow <laughs> down. Okay. Well, I do that. And 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 I guess as a, as a leader and as somebody who wants to collectively bring a team together to align and and be on the same page. It's uh, that's what I often see is that misalignment is in the the speed of which everybody wants to get stuff done and move forward. And we spent this week really, literally, with our executive leadership team talking about and aligning and getting things handled so that we could make decisions quickly. So, in other words, when we get really clear on what it is that we're trying to achieve, we align and we slow down so we can speed up. We it's really taking some time to sharpen the saw, if you will, before you go out and start chopping wood or cutting wood. Mm -hmm. And that's really, from my perspective and in being reflection and being a leader, the communication, because you scare the shit out of people in your decisiveness, Ooh, right? I like you never, do. I like, never heard of it like that. Yeah, well. That's the, good. You're bringing awareness to me. I yeah, like it. Right. So you scare people. You're going, you, because they're not that. Mm. They're at the effect of your decision. Mm -hmm. You go, bam, go. And it's like, what? What am I supposed to do here? Like, and that scares the shit out of people, mm -hmm. right? So part of that is being responsible as a leader and knowing the wake that you leave. Mm -hmm. And we've had the conversation about a wake. Mm -hmm. You know, are you as a leader aware of the wake you leave and how big a wake do you want to leave? And the conversation around the wake you leave as a leader comes from in a marina. There's always a sign in a marina or often a sign in a marina that says, mind your wake. Mm -hmm. So in other words, take it easy, slow down come out of the harbor so that you're not rocking all the boats and bumping them up against, you know, their moorings and, you know, the slips that they're in and damaging, causing havoc, mm -hmm. spilling people's drinks because they sit on their boat and their slip, that kind of thing, right? That's yep. the whole mind your wake concept. So we have to be responsible as the drivers mm -hmm. of our business to mind the wake. And, and some leaders just not have no awareness around it. So, you know, they're churning through staff or they're, pissing people off or, and they're uber successful sometimes. Sure. Financially. Totally. But you know, as I've said to you before, I know lots of really, really wealthy people and I w would love their money, but I just don't want their life. <laughs> and that's important. Right. And I don't want their business and I don't want their <laughs> reputation. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> because it's self-centered. So in, in your decisiveness, are, are you, you, you surround yourself with people that are okay with the decision. So your, your management teams. Mm-hmm are they, they know how you operate. They actually, they help you mind the wake. Yes. They buffer. Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. And, and yes, I would, uh, I'm trying to think back to the various teams. Uh, definitely, there's no doubt that, that at the level that I operate, I surround myself with, with people who are okay with it. And I, and I work through. Your experience of me has been very much on the decisiveness because we've had so much to do. I reflect on other businesses once they're they're you know I guess not as much going on if you will because right now we're I mean rain and rain and legacy and the uh, rain institute is is on path to you know we're creating a movement so that it's it's at you know it, this company's been around for twenty six amazing years and and but really we're just starting again we are just starting I'm I can't even that but those are those were really important decisions that we're making. So totally, you know, as, as for the rain members that are listening to this or people who are aware of rain, I mean, 
we talk about, you'll hear us talking about the futurization of real estate and, and hence the futurization of rain and the real estate investment network and the real estate intelligence network. And you'll hear that languaging because we really are on a movement to stay ahead of what's happening in the world of real estate. And that's, those are decisions that we're making consciously, mm -hmm. mindfully, thoughtfully. We're being aware of what's going on in the industry and we're going, we need to lead this because the world of real estate has changed dramatically just in the past couple of years. Hell, it's changed dramatically just, you know, since late 2017 into the middle of 2018. Mm, totally. And we know where it's going and we got to get ahead of it. And, and let's, let's morph into that conversation a little bit or a lot. The, we talk about, we used Podio as an example and the technology and how far ahead you were in your business, mm -hmm. right? Yep. You adopted technology. You actually helped build a technology, you know, because Podio was reactive to you at some level. You know, you may not have been talking to the owner of Podio or you may have knowing you, but the, <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, is that you would embrace that. You saw the future. Yep. And you, you, I love the term, the emerging future, right? It's a good term. Right. There's a vision. That's where I'm going. And then you start to see the emerging future, which is saying that I've taken steps. We see a trajectory and we know the emerging future is going to show up as that vision. And I love the term, the emerging future. We're looking at real estate today. We're looking at real estate investors. We're looking at realtors and the industry and financing and trillions of dollars coming into Canada, investing in real estate the boomers passing on money and the boomers parents passing on money and all the wealth that's coming intergenerational wealth that's coming on board. And when you wrap your arms around that, we go, wow, there's some huge opportunity to be a leader in an industry to create a movement. And in our case, we're talking about real estate investment advisors. That's one of the things that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. We're embracing technology and some really cool technology that is coming this way. So, Having said all of that, let, let's share with our listeners some direction. We talk about futurization of real estate mm -hmm. and, and, and the future of rain, futurization of the real estate investment network. Where do we want to dig into this? Talk, let's talk about legacy. Okay. So you, you can articulate it well and we can riff off it, but what is legacy? So legacy, the Legacy Council of Canada is the first, the world's first. And this this is huge. I mean, it is literally the world's first real estate investment advisory company. Um, and and this, this is a, a space that doesn't exist. It's a space that we're creating. It's a space that and it's it's actually happened. You know, if you if you look back, as you know, the one of the best tells of the future is if you look at the past. And this has happened uh, in the real estate space before, before there was the official term realtor which is a licensed, registered, trademark term, that didn't exist. At one point, there were no realtors. And then somebody created that space called a realtor, and that spawned an entire real estate industry, which now is massive, you know, $550 billion, uh, in transactions just in Canada, um, which, is, which is huge. So realtors is space. Same with financial planner. So the term financial planner or that whole industry, that didn't exist really in the early 80s. That came about in the late 80s, early 90s. The concept of financial planning, that was a concept. Other, unless you were ultra wealthy, 
like nobody did financial planning in the you know back then very few very few people so these are these are these are trends these are things these are industries that were created and we are at the forefront of a new industry called real estate investment advisory and and we're building an entire movement of real estate investment advisors uh, all over the world. And right now we're in Canada, coast to coast. We got real estate investment advisors, one into the next. And it's all being led by Legacy. And Legacy is the world's first real estate investment advisory company. And it's incredible uh, helping people become uh, financially prepared, financially whole and complete. Uh, and there's a, that's a whole other term we can go into in terms of financial preparedness. You know, and to to ask people if they're financially prepared. Are you? And I ask the listeners now: Are are you financially prepared for a crucible moment in your life? Crucible moments don't plan. They don't knock on the door. They don't say, "Hey, are you ready?" It just happens. And are you financially prepared for that? Are you financially organized? Uh, which is a great question in a lot of people. So we have assessments that we've developed, proprietary assessments. We have white papers. We have books that are all going to be coming online and and you're going to see this in a massive way to make sure that people are financially prepared, financially organized and financially whole and complete. And uh, our space is real estate. So Legacy is the world's first real estate investment advisory company. Now, what we wrap around all that is technology. Yes. Digitization. You know, recently Jennifer Hunt, uh, our vice president of research and events, uh, did a, you know, a Zoom kind of a meeting, you know, yep. out to, you know, nationally went, you know, sat in the studio and did a what's behind, what we know is what's behind the curtain. Look at the economic fundamentals that are driving things. And when we look at the future of research, education, development, we want to be able to reach an international audience, a global audience. You know, right now it looks like the RAIN members nationally, we want to be able to communicate in real time. So the digitization of education Mm-hmm. The educate uh, the digitization of research and development, being able to do that in a really impactful way, up to the moment or, or up to the minute, transference of data and supporting people in learning and growing real estate portfolios, creating the financial freedom, those are really cool things that we're excited about. And technology and and we're going to be talking a lot in the future about artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I think that. We've hooked into something that people are not yet seeing. We're, we're really, we need people to understand where this whole thing is going, where real estate is going, where financial preparedness is going, uh, where legacy is going, your legacy, you know, not the company legacy, although we're going to lead the charge and lead the way. The opportunity that that's open for many RAIN members, for many members of the Real Estate Investment Network in becoming REIAs and learning and and we're creating education. Now, we, in some regards, quite frankly, we we jumped out of the plane. We're building the parachute that as we're, as we're going down. And early adopters of the whole real estate investment advisory movement are, are actually, they're going, wow, I, it was really uncomfortable jumping. And they jumped out with us. <laughs> they jumped out with us and they took it on. And now they're getting really excited because they're starting to see where this all is going and how the plan is coming together. And it's a pretty cool plan and it's very exciting. So when we look at the futurization of real estate, we are really going to lead the charge in getting everybody's attention to where it's going because it's not the same anymore. Totally. And and if there was a message that from your view, because you're a real estate investor, I mm-hmm. mean, you've bought lots of real estate, you own a, a number of doors and a number of properties, you've done some big projects. We look at what's happening in the world of finance. Mm-hmm. We look at where interest rates are going. We, we look at where Canada's economy is going. 
We look at the difficulty in getting mortgages. We look at the changes to lease agreements that we're putting together right across are all different. Yep. And, and so it's really important for us to stay on top of that, which we are, do the research on it, which we are, communicate it, which we are, and we're just communicating it way faster because we're, we'll definitely be uh, uh, embracing technology in that communication. Well, not only not only communicating faster, and if you think of how we're going to, in the future, deliver, and there's some really cool stuff coming down the pipe for RAIN members, in terms of how we harness technology and how we take advantage of technology to deliver faster information and to deliver it more effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, using technology, you can deliver information uh, more impactfully and more uh, with more efficiency and more... But, but also more effectively, it could land better for the consumer of the information versus just essentially delivering it from stage. On the flip side, it's interesting because you're going to see this really awesome combination of technology and, and harnessing and leveraging technology. And at the exact same time, we're going, because one of the things that technology does is uh, technology connects people, but it also uh, creates uh, distance at the same time. So it connects people like you have lots of friends on Facebook, but how many true friends do you have on Facebook? Yeah. You know, like you got hundreds of friends, but you have maybe no friends. So it's interesting that that with technology where rain is going specifically, uh, where the real estate intelligence network is going is we're establishing and using technology to create more better connection, more efficiency and effectiveness of of information and delivery of that information. But on the flip side, our events, our live events are going to become more connected than ever before. And they're going to foster more real connections than ever before. Truly real experiences that, uh, that, that, you know, go to a deeper level between people and create deeper ties, deeper bonds, deeper relationships. And it's so, so we're going to, it's funny, you're going to see this transition that is going to take, you know, you're going to see this, the information be delivered technologically, but the connections be delivered authentically. Exciting times. Totally. In Huge. the future. So I want to go, let's go. Okay. So that's cool about rain. It's cool about legacy. Uh, you know, people should really be paying attention. We, I, I'm asking people to pay attention to what's going on in the industry, what's going on. Cause we're looking, we look at it from not only a national level, but an international, really a global level. We're always having those conversations, what's going on globally, because when you look at technology, it opens the door to global. I mean, you built a business that was global through using technology and understanding technology, real estate investors. And, and those individuals are, who are growing portfolios have an opportunity to have a level of connectedness and understanding of where real estate's going to share with their joint venture partners, whether you're part-time full-time doesn't really, that that's irrelevant in this case. I mean, if you're going to be a full-time real estate investment advisor, if you're going to take on uh, being a full-time uh, real estate investor, that's one conversation. But when we look at the real estate investment advisor movement, understanding that as a real estate investor, becoming an REI, getting that education, really positions you in front of your friends, your family, your community as a leader, somebody who's really upping their game. It's not just somebody, well, I'm going to go buy one door, two doors and like I'm really going to support others in their success in building a portfolio and, and, and creating a future, uh, you know, a financial future that's really cool, and and understanding how to do that and being the leader in that. You know, for those who want to who 
are and those who want to become real estate investment advisors. It's it's truly the the beginning of becoming a real estate investment entrepreneur. It's it's harnessing the fact that you're an entrepreneur and this is a this is a business and you're a, like you say a leader. And and you know I got to say that real estate's changing more than ever before. You know you you can't do what you used to do. You can't go just buy fifty doors if they cash flow properly. Uh, it's it's a different game today than ever before. It's got way more global influencing, global influencers than ever before, and people are coming at it. There's an intergenerational wealth transfer taking place right now for the next ten years. That is going to transfer one point five trillion dollars from generation to generation. How are you going to handle that? That is going to shift the real estate landscape. It's happening now. As an active real estate investor myself, I see it every day. I um, I get calls from real estate agents who who or from people who have portfolios 20, 30, 40, 50 properties and they want to get rid the, the kids don't want nothing to do with real estate. They say dad built this business or mom built this real estate portfolio. I want nothing to do with it. I just want to get rid of it. And there's this massive transfer happening, and, I, and I'm, I'm feeling it boots on the ground every single day. And not only that, there's a massive, you know, Canada is responsible for 3% of the world's wealth. 97% of the world's wealth is outside of Canada. And of that, 65% of that is going into real estate. Of that, 55% are interested in putting it into Canada. So your audience and your clients and your... JV partners and your joint venture partners and your business partners and the people that are buying and selling are going to be global more than ever before. And that's what Legacy is doing. Legacy and Rain and everything that we do and all the tools we're about to introduce and the technology we're about to introduce is all about facilitating that global movement. It's about tapping into what's happening. And if, if, uh, if a real estate investor is still doing business like they were 10 years ago and they're not understanding the shifts and the changes that are happening, they're really going to be in for a, for a bit of a shock in the next 10, 20, 30 years because the world's changing. And, and the real estate space, and this is an important conversation, the real estate space, the industry of real estate is about to go through a massive transformation. With new technology like blockchain technology, it is going to interrupt the space. What happened what Uber did for the taxi business or the ride sharing business, that is built on peer-to-peer sharing. That is built on, on the basis of blockchain technology, even though it's not, it doesn't have blockchain technology built into it. Cryptocurrency, and people are familiar with cryptocurrency, things like Bitcoin, that is built on the on blockchain technology. And bl- what, and mark my words on this, what the internet has done for commerce, blockchain technology will do for the internet. That's big. It's huge. Like we just went through from 1992 to today. So what's that? 20, 25 years, 26, 26 years. What's happened to business in the last 26 years will be dwarfed. You heard that right? Dwarfed by what's going to happen in the next 26 years when blockchain, blockchain technology gets in. It's crazy. So, and, and, and this is the, probably the most profound statement I can make right now, which is rain isn't rain and legacy and our all of our companies we're not reacting to it we're getting ahead of it we're literally leapfrogging it and we're going to lead it so it's not that we're going to react and become a, a a better taxi version so to speak if you're looking at the uber world we are literally going to be leading the charge because this is happening and real estate's changing and uh, we're going to be leading that charge 
You know, it's interesting that I, I find it really fascinating when we talk about artificial intelligence and and even virtual reality. You know, so it was a couple of years ago that we were I was working with a company and we're we're still working with them in the background that now virtual reality. So if you wanted to if you rent your property out now, you can literally create a scenario that a, uh, a potential tenant can tour your property virtual reality totally in their own home and that's just mind-blowing of the possibilities they can walk around the property they can walk in the property it's absolutely fascinating and and it's becoming in the past it was like all new technology it becomes you know initially it's cost prohibitive and and then the technology improves and things get and all of a sudden it gets down to a cost basis that makes sense mm-hmm. that's on the virtual reality side of it now it's artificial intelligence on on the transfer of, not of information and the ability what you're going to be able to do this year this year you and I know it's to be true this year what you're going to be able to do literally on your cell phone on your personal what do they call them now is it cell phones no, the you, only thing i'm familiar with is apple products i'm sorry to hear that <laughs> no actually i'm happy because i own apple stock and <laughs> it's because i have raving fans like have me raving fans like you <laughs> we talked about this before but the point is is that you know the the transactions that you're going to be able to buy sell view understand the analyze data, analyze research literally on an app. Well, you just look at the example you just gave about virtual reality. You know, if if the facts are what I just mentioned, the facts are that 3% of the wealth is in Canada. 97% of the wealth is outside of Canada. But now we're creating experiences where people can view, experience, perhaps buy or rent from outside they don't have to be there anymore. So this is truly, you know, the world is getting smaller and smaller. And if you think about just that example about virtual reality and how that's going to change, your next JV partner, your your next buyer, your your next renter may not be from down the street, may not find you via Facebook or whatever's happening now. They're going to knock on your virtual door and say, hello, I want to view this place. I'm interested. I can't even tell you how excited I am and how excited I am for uh, Rain members and and people who are part of uh, the real estate investment network. Well, it, it, it's this is cool stuff. Like, well, I mean, Rain Rain has been the leader for 26 years. You know, in a space where you know there wasn't r- real estate investment education or advice uh, in Canada 26 years ago. I mean, Rain created that space. Again, we're doing it again, but we're not evolving with where it is now we're leapfrogging and leading the change going forward. So we're really ahead of it. It's exciting times. We're going to wind this down. Otherwise, we're going to be here. Man, I feel like we just started. I know. Man. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. (laughs) So so let's go back to Jean-Guy. Let's talk. You know what I want to talk a little bit about this week, Jean-Guy, is that, you know, what I want is Rain members view our world we sat out in my property and I'm, and I'm blessed to live in a, in a great home in a, in the Fraser Valley and, and we love it. And we did some poolside stuff and had some good laughs, <laughs> but man, we worked our asses off this week. Certainly. You know, Richard Dolan, Jennifer we made some Hunt, decisions. We made some decisions, some big <laughs> decisions, but Richard Dolan, Jennifer, you know, Jennifer Hunt, yourself, Nick Banks, Alan Kahn, mm-hmm. I mean, totally. Bonnie Canesso. We, we have a management team that I think is absolutely all-star. And what's really cool about the team that 
how we've evolved as a leadership team, as an executive leadership team, is just how straight we are with each other, the the space that we create for each other to to show up and to be ourselves and to discover who we are and to communicate. I think that is really, you know, going to start, I don't know, bleeding out into into our world in a very, very impactful way. And as much as we all are here for to be profitable and all the rest of it, as you know, when we're having conversations, we're talking about how can we make an amazing difference in the world and what is it for our clients? What is it for the people that we're supporting and their success? So we really do drink our own Kool-Aid. And if we can make people and support people in being uber successful in achieving their dreams, whether they're financial dreams or whatever dream that they have, if they're in our space, it's because we can support them in achieving that dream, that vision for their life. In, in our case, we, we really hone in on, you know, financial uh, freedom by design, financial certainty, legacy, financial preparedness, uh, being ahead of the curve, you know, being part of a movement to really stand out, to stay current. Those are conversations that we are literally having all the time. And yes, we have to be like any business. We need to be profitable. We need to manage costs. We need to continue to build a really uh, amazing team that uh, helps people go to that level. And and we're excited about that. As much fun as it was, and it was, and we ate way too much. We <laughs> drank probably far too much wine, uh, a little bit of tequila, but that was coming off, you know, that was coming off a, a pretty fun birthday party. Oh man. With, with that, really... that was the best birthday party I've ever been to. My wife has big things to, uh, to do for me when I turn, you know, 60. 60. Anyways, it was a blast. And, and so, uh, we get to really, you know, I think the lesson here for, for people, if we, cause that's always where we come from is how we can teach and educate and support is we're evolving as, you know, we continue to evolve as individuals and as a team. And, and we want to lead the way we want to share our own journey with you as a listener to learn, you know, seemingly ordinary people achieving extraordinary results. How the hell do they do that? I look at Jean-Guy Francoeur and I go, Frick, if he can do it. <laughs> fuck anybody can do it right that's how i look at it yep and and i want people to really get that message is that this is what we're we're here and that's what we're about 100 percent. and you know it's it's such an exciting time to be part of this movement it's such an exciting time to to be leapfrogging and leading truly leading this industry because because you know the world needs it you know and and it's it's the way i look at it patrick and and you know we 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 talk about contribution and we but we have the way I look at it. We have a responsibility to make this amazing. We have a responsibility. You talk about minding your wake and me minding my wake yes, specifically. Please. You, you. <laughs> you and Dolan actually. <laughs> I mean, that guy's a genius. Um, but I think that you know that's interesting because we can use the exact same uh, analogy and metaphor for us at Brain and for us at Legacy, and and making sure that we understand that we are we are the leaders. And uh, we have a responsibility to help uh, with this transition that's happening in the real estate space. We have a responsibility to to, to bring people along, and and because if we don't, um, I shudder to think at what can happen. Amazing. I mean, look at the impact the company's had in the last twenty six years. Five billion dollars of transactions. Much more than that, by the way. That's just oh, that's yeah. just reported. That's I mean, it's reported, yeah. it's tens of billions. And and the number of properties, uh, you know, thirty eight over thirty eight thousand properties purchased and invested in. I mean, this is 
This is a massive impact. You guys have made a, a critical, critical difference in the world of, of real estate and in the world of people. And, and I'm talking about real differences, like families. And this is what gets me up in the morning. Families will never be the same. Generations in the future that aren't even here yet will never be the same. You've literally made a ripple effect. And this company's made a ripple effect that is that is can never be changed. But it's our responsibility to stay ahead of it. It's our responsibility to make sure that we capitalize and help people capitalize on the changes that are coming and to make sure that they understand what's happening. And uh, it's not like it used to be. And um, and that's that's our responsibility. That's our wake that we have to. We made this difference. Mm-hmm. Now we have to make sure we continue to make a difference and we get you know way ahead of it. And technology is just, I mean, we're gonna keep going. If I keep, if I if I keep going, we're gonna we're gonna open up new doors and we're gonna end up being here for another two hours. Okay, so you had a moment there that you're getting pretty deep and profound. Ooh, like, really? wow, was I in my heart? Like, like you, you're, you're almost there, buddy. Good for you. <laughs> Proud of you. Okay, let's start to wind this down. And and, and um, all kidding aside, because uh, it's been great to have you on the show, and Thank you. and uh, I'm I'm really uh, excited about people getting to know you, our our community, our rain community getting to know you, and certainly uh, the, the the community outside of even rain now that we're building and growing is really really cool and they're excited about it but you know on the show nobody gets away without you know a closing which is you know some rapid fire questions oh yes i totally forgot about this i mean i watch every episode yeah, but, yeah. or i listen to every episode i should say so you know so this will sneak up on you so we'll, we'll just warm it up quickly book that you're reading and that had a an that you like or would actually gift what is there one that you gift the most is there one that had the most impact on you yeah the most impact on me would be good to great by jim collins mm, uh great book yeah that's that i built my companies on the back of that book blue ocean strategy mm-hmm. uh you know something interesting about blue Stra- ocean strategy this, i don't i want to keep this rapid fire but i i found it tough to read did you yeah i did I'm just saying. I, was, I know it's a great book, but it it was heavy lifting for me to read that book. Well, yeah, totally, because it's it's like it's a workbook. It's yeah. not. It's it's yeah. It's a textbook almost. It's amazing. Yeah, but it's a good one. Favorite inspirational quote? Do you have one? You are what you think about. Favorite swear word? Fuck. What profession other than what you're doing right now? Race would... car driver. Oh, look at you go! If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you get to the pearly gates? And you gave her shit. On a scale of one to ten. How weird are you? And I'm not going to have an opinion of this one. You're not. Um, I don't know if that's good. I don't know. Maybe seven. What are you not very good at? Details. Room, desk, or your car? What do you clean first? Hmm. Room. Favorite tune? Hmm. I'm really digging Alan Raymond right now. He's, a dar- he's an artist. He's got one called 27. I'm digging his beats. He's got cool vibes. Favorite movie? Oof. Huh. You stumped me. I'll say Jerry Maguire for fun. Okay. There's <laughs> one final question. Okay. What are you grateful for? <sighs> Man, so deep, Patrick. Now I got to get it in my heart. It's going to get all... <laughs> 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 Running joke. You know, I... Man. Um, I'd have to say I'm grateful for... I'm grateful for every moment. You know, every day I say it's the best day of my life, which you've heard, you're the witness of that every day. <laughs> but but I truly mean it. You know, I truly mean it. I'm, I'm grateful for every moment. I'm grateful for my family, my dad, my mom, my 
family, my wife, my amazing wife, um, my brothers, my cousins, my, you know, my work friends. I'm just grateful for all of it. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade any moment. You and I talked about this yesterday, in fact, um, but I wouldn't trade any moment um, having done what I've done and, you know, been through the heartaches and the difficult times and the good times and the bad times and the ups and the downs. I'm grateful for all of it because it brought me to where I am today. And, uh, and there's no place I'd rather be than right here, right now, my man. Me too. I'm grateful for all of those things that you speak of, you know, family, my daughter, my grandchildren, her husband, how much he loves her and looks after her. Like, I'm just grateful for all of that. Today, just always am, when I'm in the moment of having a podcast, I'm grateful for my guest. In this case, I'm, I'm grateful for you showing up and uh, becoming a good friend and business partner and uh, the leader that you are and what you bring to the table. And I'm really grateful for just being in your space. Thank you, man. And Appreciate for you being it. in mine. So thank you for being a guest on the show. It's been, been a ride. I can't believe it's over. I just <laughs> want to keep going. Oh, we may have to do a part two one day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. So, you know, if you want a part two about John Gee, you know, let me know. CEO at raincanada.com and we'll have some fun with it. And I think there's a good part two. We're doing Alan Kahn part three. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Alan, you could, I mean, you could do but I, well, part We got so much feedback about Alan and, wow. and. You know, he's, so that, it's that's the mindset. That's well, the that's development exactly stuff, what right? I was talking about. Yeah. That's not the how-to, right? That's yeah. the that's the real work. Yeah. Alan does the real work. He does the real work. That's for darn sure. Okay, my friend, let's sign off. That's been another edition episode of the Everyday Millionaire. Thanks, Thanks. for having me. Thanks, Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends as it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.